From the Saddle is brought to you by Hewitt Consulting and Communications, specialising in rural business and marketing design. Find them on Facebook and Instagram. I just need to take five and just go away and recover. <laughs> Not even high pressure, I don't know the word to describe it. <laughs> From the Saddle. Hey folks, Scotty Keogh here from The Saddle. Uh, Today, myself and good friend Caitlin Hewitt uh, have the real privilege of talking to one of Australia's most colourful and capable men around the camp draft arena and rodeo shoots. If you don't know this guy, the best way I can describe it is they ever do an Australian version of Lonesome Dove, this man will be Augustus McRae. I'm talking about the one and only Wayne McLennan. Morning, Wayne. Good morning, Scotty. How you going? Well, you're going really good, mate. I appreciate your time this morning. Um, Wayne, I guess I've known you since I was a little boy. There's so much about you that I, that I don't know. I see the man that could win any camp draft on any given day. He had a reputation in a bar fight or on a bucking horse. Uh, but, mate, I want to start at the start. Tell me, where did Wayne McLennan grow up? Well, I was born in Lismore, Scotty, and then when I was about three, my father moved up to the Kimberleys in the Territory, used to mend his cattle stations for, for Vesties. They were a big company, they owned all the country up there then. And um, I was there and Mum was trying to teach me correspondence, but I wouldn't listen, so they sent me to uh, Alice Springs Convent. And uh, I was five and a half when I went, they flew me out to go to school in the old plane and then... And then I was seven when I came home my first holidays. I started at Alice Springs Convent and I went to, uh, after that, Catherine Halls Creek, back to Catherine, back to Halls Creek. And then I finished up the last 12 months. I was in Aquinas College in Perth. Wayne, what do you remember about the convent? Oh, well, just when I first went there, I was classed as one of the little kids and we just stayed in a dormitory and had the bigger boys which were bullies and and that's all I remember I can remember it was Alice Springs and it was that cold we never run around in the winter time on our days off we sat near a fire all the time it was that cold how many other kids were there do you reckon oh dear there would have been oh could have been probably nearly a hundred there because everyone had to go to boarding school unless you'd done um, correspondence back them days and you, you got two brothers, Wayne? I've got four brothers, um, but two that they're the two last reported cases of polio in uh, Kimberley because they were too young at either time. The flying doctor had come round to vaccinate. They were just in the, not the right age, and they missed out. And they're the two last reported cases after vaccination got in the in the line. Anyhow, um, there's I've got another brother younger than me, Greg. He lives at Calliope and. Ross, he lives in Toowoomba. He's had polio. He's on crutches and calipers on both legs. And and my other brother, younger fella, uh, Rick, he died. He had polio, but he died at 48. Mm. Yeah, right. Well, it definitely shaped, shaped you as a tough lad, mate. So let's fast forward to your teens. Um, I believe we were around the Northern Rivers area by then. I was... Um, 13, nearly 14 when I came back from the Kimberleys. We moved back down to the Clarence River there at Dablam, where Dad and Mum come from that country originally. We moved back there and Dad took his my grandfather's country over. 
So stepping into the horse side of things, mate, like how old were you when you, you got on your first bronc and started to have a run in a camp draft? Well, I was working for an old bloke there called Colin Mills there at um, just out of Bonalbo and because um, I'd become just mad on riding bucking horses, I was just mad on it and anyhow, so I wanted to have a go in the bronc ride at the Bonalbo show and the old fella said, yeah, he said, I'll take you in there. He was on the committee and, and I'm there waiting to get on my horse. I was pretty laid up, I had the chaps on and everything and I see half a dozen of the committee fellas out in the ring there having a bit of a disagreement. And then he walked over towards me and I said, what is blowing about, Colin? He said, over you, they don't want you to ride because you're too young. But he said, I won the argument. He said, you don't disgrace me. And I came out and I won the bronc ride. <laughs> fifteen years old. Not quite fifteen, I wasn't. And then uh, when I got home and told mum and dad, well, dad said, that's a funny thing. He said, I won my first bronc ride there with an elbow too. Unreal. So so from right about that point, mate, who, who shaped you, Wayne? Like, who were the better horsemen around and the better bronc riders that you fed off? Well, back then, when I started there, I had Mick Davis, Jimmy Khan, and then they were getting towards a retirement thing, and then... Well, I just kept going then, and then um, when it come to the horses, old Frankie McNamara started me off with the camp horse part of it, and I just followed on. Mm. Now, you won a Kenning Downs, I believe? Yes, I won a Kenning's Downs, and I think it was 1984. Okay, can you remember the horse? Was it Dawn? Dawn, yeah. She was a mare by reality. Okay, so we're missing a few years in there, Wayne. You did a lot of time as a drover. Yes, I decided I wasn't going to go to school anymore when I was at Tablin there and mum and dad just listened and well, dad said, well, you've got to work. So then I went down and there's an old fella there at Tablin, uh, um, Harry, um, I cannot think of his name, he was Mr. Packhorse. There was, um, Tablin was, had um, two big side yards and all the cattle were sold there would be walked to Tenderfield to go on the train, or they'd be walked from Tablam to Rapville and go on the train. And I just pack horse drove with that old fella for oh, a long time. Because I remember it was um, £3.10 a day. Yeah, and uh, I've done that for a long time. You were always fancied uh, fancy to be in a fight? Oh, yes. I learnt them bad habits <laughs> real quick. <laughs> <laughs> they teach you that at the convent, did they? Well, that's how I learnt. The fight, I've been just got bullied all the time, and it's an old true story. You would have heard it before. If you poke a dog with a stick long enough, it'll eventually bite you. Mm, that's awesome. And that's how I learned. I was a wimp. My father was a fighter. In his day, he had a lot of blues and everything, but it wasn't my style. But that's how it happened and how I started, just through being bullied. Mm. Mate, no, you've definitely always been a man's man. I think I've got to share my best Wayne McLennan story, and, and Wayne's one of those iconic guys. When everyone sits around a bar somewhere, they tell a Wayne McLennan story. So my Wayne McLennan story would be, I reckon I might have been 10-year-old maybe, and uh, a neighbour of mine, Wayne Tucker, was a very good friend of yours. And yes, real good I, I went over to Wayne Tucker's to do, to do something, and uh, you had this chestnut horse there that you said would buck. Yeah. And to describe this to the folks at home, Picture the worst sort of house yard slash chook pen 
Um, there was sheets of tin. There was a low carport where you could just fit a car underneath. So if the horse bucked under there, Wayne would have been cut in half. Um, I think there was a couple of tuck sons there. I can't remember which ones. Well, they were blocking that entrance with a broom. I think my dad was guarding a leak in horse trough, and i just seen Wayne walk across that yard. He already had the whip doubled up, stepped up on this thing. Not only did he ride him, he bucked clean out of the yards, and uh, Wayne gave him an extra over and under as he was going over the top rail. And um, it was just something I, I can picture today. Um, and, and when I think of guys cowboying up, uh, I just see so many young guys want to ride Bronx and th- they don't get it. They don't get it. Remember that day, Wayne? Yes, I do, Scotty. I remember it real well. I think you won the maiden draft on that horse at Upper Horton about two or three months later and you ran him up into the buck and shoot to get a bridle on him, if I remember. I think that's the same horse, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So, uh, Wayne, uh, so moving forward, um, kids, grandkids now, you must get a lot of enjoyment out of them. Yeah, well, I've got there's two granddaughters there at Warwick. Um, Scott's two girls, and then Kylie, she's got a um, they got a boy and a girl. And Darcy, he's a he's won a junior radio title already. Pretty good on it. Yeah, he looks looks the goods to me, mate. So, um, so another question for you: What is the best camp draft horse you've ever seen? Tex of Terry Halls. Why is that? Well, I've ever seen him. I've never seen a horse like him. He could come out of the cutout yard and get into beast would go the wrong side the first peg sometimes. That horse could just block it, set it up and spin it back around and course it. And he was a good horse. And he was by reality out of a Bobby Roos mare. Yeah, right. What would be the best one you rode, Wayne? Oh, well, I had a mare I started off with and she was a real good mare, mare called Little Patty. Mm. Little Patty, mother of Little Jim? No, 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 she wasn't the mother of Little Jim, no. Little Jim was by a full brother to Tex, that horse, Terry Halls. He was by a horse called Little Joe. Mm. Right. So tell me, Wayne, what advice would you give to your 15-year-old self? Oh, well, I suppose, mate, um, to be truthful, I would I'd probably still be the same as I was then, but... Um, Another the good thing about when I was rodeo and I never drank alcohol. That was a that's how serious I took the business once I got going. But the camp horse business that was just a social thing. Yeah. But as far as back that day, I wouldn't change too much. Um, I just treated people right, and I got a lot of respect for all the old fellows. I thought they were tough old buggers. They used to do things, say things to me, and make me do this and that. But after I grew up, you don't realise how much I appreciate those people. Yep. Okay, I know that, you know, the small amount of time I've spent with you, you're quick to quote the old boys and what they passed on to you. Yeah. So I guess my next question would be, Wayne, who's the toughest man you've ever fought at a bar? Well, I was thinking that when you wised me up about it, and there was a bloke at Moree, I can't remember he was a shearer, fella in the post office hotel there at Moree. He'd have to be the toughest, and he wasn't a real big fella either. Yeah, right. Tell me, um, driving, mate, worst experience you had on the road. Tell me about that one. Ooh. Oh, well, really, um, I remember the toughest disappointment in me because I had my own cattle on the road there. I'd done that for a lot of years after I used to do contract driving, and 
I lost 70, 78 head and one hit there at Garrah. They died of bloat. Yeah, right. They were getting crook and yeah, it just blew up. That is a tough day at the office. That was a very disappointing day, but apart from that, I never had very much drama because it's just common sense what I was taught, and that's you, you prevent trouble before it happens, and, and uh, that's how I poked along, you know. Yep. Now, um, yeah. I was sitting with you one day, and we were watching a, a junior camp draft, and I was trying to pick your brain, and, and I said... Is there something you're seeing, Wayne, that you think the average rider needs to do across the board? You told me how Stumpy Timmons taught you how to hold your reins. Can you describe that for our listeners? Well, he just described to me, he said, you don't swing on your horse's head and have it over top, but you have it in a controllable position, and your horse has got to do it. He said, you don't swing off your horse's head, and he said, just hold your reins sensibly. Because he said, one of these was a good old mate of mine too, and he said, you've got a horse that's doing the job right. You've got to let him do his own thing. Sometimes uh, he'd tell me that you're going to pull a horse over, say, say to your right, you hold your left hand rein on his neck and just pull the other one out a little bit and use your left leg and squeeze him over, and that's the way they'll, they'll change, and that works wonders. Yeah, right. So... um. Wayne, tell me, um, what are you doing these days? No, in these days, nothing, mate. It's very quiet. Nothing since I've been crook. I haven't been able to do too much at all, mate. Yep. Yeah, I've heard you've uh, been had a little heart trouble there in the last 12 months. Yeah, that, well, I didn't know what was wrong with me for oh, nearly 12 months. And um, I was just getting crook, and I'll be right, get crook. And I guess anyhow, went to a few doctors, and I went to one here eventually, and he... Got a chest X-ray done, and somehow had a large heart, and that was causing the trouble. Me blood pressure and everything. Bit like Farlap. Yeah, and anyhow, then when he um, he said, if you get crook over Christmas, I'm not here. He said we'll be closed for three weeks. He goes straight to the hospital, and I did get crook. And Kyle and my daughter and Matt were on their way home from down the coast, and they called in here, and she said, Dad, um, we'll stay the night, and I'll take you to Dubbo and take you to a proper specialist. In which he did. I got home Sunday night down there, then they took me to the doctor Monday morning and he sent me, got me to a specialist. They put me straight in emergency. I was there for 10 days. Then they flew me to Sydney and put that uh, tribulator thing in my heart. Yeah, right. Well, um, yeah. so home's chinchilla now, is it, mate? Yeah, I've been here about 20 years now, mate. Mate, I, I just can't picture you a member of the bowls club or the local golf club. I just I can't see it. No. Not happening. <laughs> well, Wayne, uh, I yeah, you know, I have so much respect for for guys like you, and um, I, I'm obsessed with with Australian horsemanship and some of the stuff that's getting lost. Um, I do hope they write a book on you one day. Hopefully, that's that might be giving you something to do in your retirement, Wayne. So um, now, um, before we're done, mate, um, I've got one further question: Who's the best horseman you've ever seen? It's a tough question, my friend. Um, the best horsemen. I've seen that many of them, mate. Good ones. Give me two or three that you put right up the top. Bobby Palmer. Yep. Um, Terry Hall. And um, Bruce McNaughton. Yeah, right. What, what could they do that, that separated them, mate? Well, Bruce 
Mr. Norton taught me a lot about how to get a horse going in the cutout yard and everything. He was a real good horseman. He used to work for old Herb Dunn near a casino. He ride the hack horses for him. He's been a ch- champion hack rider at Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne. And um, I've done had a few camp horses and Bruce used to ride them. And then he came to me one day and he said, could I borrow your chaps? I want to get on a bronc. And I looked at him and I said, what the bloody hell do you think you're doing? Well, he got on and he won the bronc ride. So there you go. He was an all-rounder. And same with Bobby Palmer. He was a, he, he had a rodeo in his time. So did Terry Hall. Yeah, and their sons. Yeah. Um, we, we don't see the all-rounders anymore, Wayne. It's lost. You know, it's, it's a specialist world now. Yeah. Well, Wayne, I feel that um, 30 minutes with you just isn't enough. There's so many other chapters of your life. I mean, you were a rodeo stock contractor at one point. Tell us about the highs and lows of that game. Yeah, well, I started off that up and went into rodeo, and I thought, well, I'll put back into rodeo and what I got out of it. I had those horses. I started running them at Tabea there, and I had 100 horses in the end there I could put on trucks. And then plus there was a stallion and always 12 or 13 mares in another paddock. We run that rodeo and camp draft for four schools in the kindergarten. And all those cotton pole around that had grazing country they weren't used. And I had that free range where we run all the horses. And um, yes, we had finished up a lot of good horses. And we'd have a practice day there and nothing to buck 60, 70 horses. We'd just bush the rest of the knackery and might only keep half a dozen. And over around that Tabea country there, I've run into people latter years. I knew them as little kids. Well, no one had dog horses them days. They were all buck jumpers when they wanted to get rid of them. And, and I wouldn't know how many of those kids that want a horse. No one had a lot of money them days. I said, well, go over that, said to their father, go over that pen. And that horse didn't do anything. He seems quiet. There were six or seven of them kids there got horses, kids' horses out of those cold buck jumpers. Yeah, and then we had that grey horse. I got out that ugly Arab horse, and I called him Dugan. And um, he was a real good horse. And then kids would get on him three of them on him with the headstall and ride him around half an hour or more till they got sick of it. Isn't he every rodeo? Then they'd put him in the chute, and away he'd go. He was a good bucking horse, and he died at Cherry Bar Country Resort. They buried him there. Yeah, I didn't know that. And I grew up there. Yeah, I gave him to Timmy Brosnan. Yeah, I remember Timmy well. When I auctioned the horses there in Vril, the last sale, I had Dugan in the ring, and I watched him and Kylie was handled. She ran into the ring there, grabbed him by the forelock and sung out the auctioneer, he's not for sale. And when she came come out, I said, Kylie, what are you going to do with him? They know we're not selling him. And I said, all right, oh, then Timmy, I'll take him and look after him. So Timmy took him, and they used to buck him at Cherry Bar Country Resort, and when he died, they buried him there. Oh, me bugger. I did not know that story. And, and well, Kylie told me about Dugan Warwick Rodeo um, about two or three years ago. There's a photo of Dugan there in the Hall of Fame Rodeo, Hall of Fame thing there at Warwick. Mm. Yeah, right. And what was his background, Wayne? Just a horse you picked up or found or bred? Yeah, just an ugly Arab horse. A bloke told me, he said, I put two horses in the paddock there for you to buck, and they were there for about three months. I said, look at them Arab-looking things. They're not worth buggering around with. And the boys there this one day said, oh, come on, we'll try them. I said, right over. So I said, waste of time. Anyhow, 
that was him. He came out, he went three years before he's ever ridden in another, the mate of his, another little grey Arab fella. I called him Brisbane River, and he was a good horse too. Grey Arab horse called Brisbane River. That horse would have ended up with Brian Covid, wouldn't he? I think he might have done. Well, here's a bit of trivia for you. I'm 99% sure that was Ben Hall's sort of first practice horse. Mm. I can remember being a kid hanging around Ben Hall's place and he was learning on old Brisbane River. Yeah. But those buck jumpers, when I had those buck jumpers, there's one thing I learned. Buck jumpers come in, come in all breeds, all shapes and sizes. Can't pick them, eh? No, you cannot. I'll be bugging. Well, mate, um, it's like you've lived 10 lives. I think we're going to have to do a part two of this one day. It's been a blast, Wayne. I always get a laugh out of your company. Um, maybe during uh, the retirement, um, if you're not down um, playing 18 holes at the golf course, you might be able to start on that book for us. Rightio. <laughs> Mate, well, uh, I wish you all the best of health, Wayne. Um, you're a champion. You're, you're an icon of, of Australia. Uh, definitely one of the most colourful characters that uh, people love to see and run into and have a beer with. Uh, I thank you for your time, Wayne, and I wish you health and I hope to see you shortly soon. Okay then, mate. And listen, if you're going to talk to Daryl Kong after Wood's sake, good day to him for me, please, would you? I will do, cowboy. Okay, mate. Thanks, mate. Bye, Wayne. Bye. From the Saddle is brought to you by Hewitt Consulting and Communications. Specialising in rural business and marketing design, find them on Facebook and Instagram.